Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your host, Keith Barney Season 4, episode 20. This is the last 420 joke. When you thought we couldn't be bigger losers, we are now lip syncing with our theme song. (laughs) Not for the first time. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast on audio and now video about David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week we are up to season four, episode 20, Liberty Bells. This is Out of Practice, episode 81. How's it going, Mike? Uh, it's, uh, well, good? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to lie. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was such a setup. I really set you up by asking how it's going. Um, Look, I, I don't want underscoring. I don't want the sad violins. I mean, I could give you I know some you underscoring. Could. I know you could, but my point it's is that right I, underst- over there. I understand my stress is no larger than the global stress, the countrywide stress, but since this is my GD podcast, I'm taking the moment to talk about it. Okay. So, life is stressful. Work is stressful. It's the general stuff. However, amidst this pandemic and this quarantine and just life and approaching 40 for some reason this past week was the week where my slowish dive into mental breakdown uh, took root ceo jen uh, got an option to go out to montauk to spend some days with a friend and i absolutely supported her going to do that but then left again on my own Work, my my one job, one of my jobs, started asking a lot of me. I work for uh, part-time, part-time, part, son of a bitch, part to, <laughs> part to full-time for a uh, learning management system. And as you can right. imagine, with the everybody going back to school, admits the chaos that is that process, my job oh, yeah. has gotten very busy. And the asks keep coming, even though... I have a, an hour limit of what I'm supposed to be working because they won't they don't give me benefits. I've been having to exceed that. So there's a balance there. Oh, I want to be helpful. Yeah. On top of that, I'm working for a, another startup, this production company uh, that's doing like these online theatrical performances. We've talked about it briefly. Oh, we're going to talk more about it today in a segment and, we call More TV. Yeah, and uh, I want to keep supporting them and, and working for them. And there's been it's a great opportunity, and it, it's there's a potential there. But the truth of the matter is, is at, at this point in the startup, the work input versus financial output is very unbalanced. I, I think you're just describing all of showbiz. Yes. So add that to the pot of too much work to do, not mm-hmm. enough hours to do it, getting very behind, which is stressful, trying to start packing an apartment 
but not too early, so all your stuff is in the boxes. On top <laughs> like of we did. <laughs> like the the national the DNC convention, which is like reminding me that oh wait, the stakes are super high in like real real life. The world and, is burning, and so then the insomnia starts to creep in, and the oh my god, I have to get this done. But like you know when there's like analysis paralysis, you have too much to do, so you're not getting anything accomplished, and then you've got it's just starting. To, and I haven't been working out because it's been 97 million degrees and right. it's all just becoming a lot, man. So on top of that, last thing, I <laughs> uh, have been slowly compiling PC parts to build a PC. I want to move using my own systems instead of like stuff that I've borrowed from work and right. XYZ. And I finally got all my parts and I finally started to build this PC, which I thought was going to be fun. It probably could be, but amidst this other stress and realizing that, oh, I've got, you know, X thousand dollars worth of equipment right here. And if I blow it, I blow it. Right. And I'm like, and it's 1.30 in the morning. And I'm like, I thought this was going to be, <laughs> Keith said it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I also pressed, said that about this podcast. So Yeah, right. So I hit the start button the other day or what, Sunday morning at like 2.30 in the morning. And it's like, and it boots, and everything's working fine. And then about 45 minutes in, the video display goes out. Reboot, oh, hard no. boot. Everything's working fine. I'm downloading my thingies. I got this. I got that. Video display goes out. And I Google the living hell out of it. I'm like, what did I do? What did I do? Right. right. What I boiled it down to is that this beast GPU I got is clearly just broken. It's... Faulty. Oh, no. Yeah, like I made a mistake. It's a liquid cooled GPU, which is stupid. Like apparently, right. just fan ones are better, and it has a broken sensor, so it keeps thinking it's overheating. It was not being taxed in any way. I was literally right. just trying to load Windows. It keeps thinking it's too hot, so it shuts off. So the PC build is perfect. Everything's running fine. I just have a dead graphics card. All right, Mike, get a new graphics card. Right. Global pandemic. Everything is sold out everywhere. Forever. So I literally have to right. wait the next two, three weeks, maybe a month, till new graphic cards are released, and I just have this 99% built PC sitting right next to me <laughs> that is now just going like to sit teasing there, you. like my dreams, and by the time I get a card, I'm probably going to have to move, so I'm not going to see this PC probably for a month or two. So there goes that. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's Monday, with all that work sitting on my plate... I'm doing this podcast with you. Now, Keith, let's go over to you, who's trying to buy a house. <laughs> because yeah. you must have first world problems as well. Oh, I have the whitest of problems. Yeah, no, we're, uh, yeah, no, Jillian and I were uh, actively trying to buy a house. And so we were out looking at houses uh, all of this week. And so we're... Uh, you get so close like should we put an offer on this and then like once you decide to put an offer on something then all the world just goes crazy because yeah. then you have to um there's uh, you need something um money oh right all of the money in the right. entire world all at once none of what none of which is yours right so uh yeah no so that's uh so that's dicey and then of course like like a uh, uh, oil tank there's an oil tank in there they say it's been filled and they've got those permits but do we have to get it out blah, 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 blah. anyway it's actually very exciting as well as being super super stressful so i uh i have no complaints about 
that. But we are uh, we, we might get interrupted uh, at some point during this with a call from the realtor or the mortgage guy or some other meltdown of life. So that's what's going on. Thank you, John Williams. Oh, that's true. You're probably going to get hit for that. <laughs> uh, oh, well, we'll see. Hey, well, t <laughs> we're gonna, not going to make all of the normal huge amounts of money we make from the video <laughs> of this. <laughs> right. Oh, boy. Yes, so, yeah, what's it's going, zero, right. it's going what's fine. What's 0% of zero? Right. Okay. Well, we have a lot to talk about this week again. We had a great last week. Lots of... Uh, it, was our, it was our number one week last week. Yeah, we had a good week, people. Of, uh, in terms of downloads. People, I, I even got some, uh, you know, messages that were like, this was a great week, one of your best weeks. I was like, oh, well, we were just, we had we're breakfast never gonna and we're awake. Up. Yeah, it, like seriously. <laughs> I was like, you I, wanted I to listen to us for two and a half hours? Okay. Oh my God. I wasn't about to die. Yeah, that's and, helpful. That's helpful. Yeah, so anyway, let's hear what, not what we think about it, what all you think about it in Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Filings and Subpoenas. Okay, let's knock out a couple quick ones. Uh, our good friend, founding sponsor, Leanne Wrights, uh, <laughs> pointed out how dumb and old I am. Me too, actually. Uh, we had two We have two, We have had two encounters with her this week. Oh, did we? Oh, I only have the one, but you, you'll, you'll well, have to... Yeah, I'll tell the other one. All right, the other <laughs> one. So, so she posted on, uh, I think it was a couple episodes ago, this is what I do as opposed to having a job. Now, of course, I thought she meant... <laughs> her listening to our stupid podcast as opposed to having a job. And I replied, hey, that's what we're doing too. And she's like, hey, uh, you dumb old. Uh, I was quoting you. Uh, she didn't actually say that at all. Uh, but It but was implicitly was like, implied. Yeah, so like I, I went into a vortex of narcissism, uh, reacting to my own quote without realizing that's what it was. And she said that was the most dad thing I have ever done. So I have now have a new bar, and I will definitely uh, top that bar sooner. So, so I also old dadded in that. So I'm scrolling through. So our, you know, both of us have our like personal Instagram and out of practice right. Instagram sort of like connected. So I never know what I'm doing on what account. It's less oh, being right. dumb and old. It's more not paying any attention. But I guess those go hand in hand. And. I came up, you know, in the stories, I think founding sponsor Leanne Wrights uh, had posted something about finishing her book or, or it was, I'm right. sure it was a very, she's, she busts her ass. So I'm sure it was very, oh, uh, she works way harder than we yeah. do. So it was about her productivity. And I guess that my thumb, my fat thumb or something hit the like laugh emoji. And yeah, so, so, so she was like, like, oh, I've, I've been working so hard on this. Like I've, this is my life's work and I've really put it together. <laughs> And good old Mike and Douglas on behalf of Out of Practice, because it doesn't. It wasn't on Mike's account. It was on. I was like, "Ha ha! Look at your life streams." It was like the oh. laugh till I'm crying emoji. Oh. <laughs> so, so I had to. I then, had like, to try to clean it up during Biden's speech of all. So Keith's things. trying to clean up my mess, uh, and I'm like, I don't even know. He's telling me, and I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, man. So I go back and look, and I'm like, Oh yeah, I did do that. So then I had to apologize. Because I was like, it's just nothing. This was not a, to be offensive. I just am old and stupid. So Keith, uh, sh breaking news: we're yeah. old and dumb. Yes, yes, we are indeed. Before you continue on, that remind because I will forget this. Uh, I like to credit a funny joke when it's when due. Uh, CEO Jen the other day. So I, I should. I want to make note. Uh, 
it genetically, there's two things that happen to my family. You either lose all your hair, which is what happened to my brother. He, my dad right. was, lost all his hair, and then my brother lost all his hair. My mom went totally gray when she was like six, 18, 16, very early wow. in her teens. I was 20 years old and started going gray, 20. Uh, but because of what we do for a living, uh, did for a living, I don't even know how to phrase it anymore. <laughs> I dyed my hair for years and years and years. And then during pandemic, I was like, oh, hell, no point in it. So the other day, right. Jen's looking at me, and out of nowhere, this is really funny. She goes, Mike, the presidency has aged you. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit, that is funny. Zing. So oh my. Uh, yeah. it looks like we found out who the comedian in our family comedian? is. Yeah. Okay. Continuing yeah. on with filings and subpoena. Oh, so. right. We, as, we, as we embrace our grays. Jorge, uh, Jorge Novoa. Uh, said on Instagram, amazing practice episode, phenomenal podcast episode about uh, last episode, season four, episode 19, Till Death Do Us Part. Uh, Cody Y16 enjoyed our picture of Lucy with red hair, gave it a heart. Marla Sokolove, uh, Marla's fan account, uh, gave us gave Lucy a heart, and Lauren is square, just gave us a front. Uh, <laughs> I kind of like <laughs> With that. a picture of Eleanor, which I think. It, re it really does get down to the point. Meanwhile, we heard from, of course, good Quarantine friend Phoenix. While. Quarantine while. Our good That's friend a, Phoenix. Hashtag Stephen Colbert. That's not mine. Ah, uh, okay. He, uh, he says, hey, Mike, thanks for uh, recommending Connected. I just watched the first episode and was amazed at seeking the answer to the simple question of where does a humble little species of bird fly, for, fly to for half the year? has given rise to the great mystery of how a bird is able to predict hurricanes from thousands of miles away, months in. Now great I'm looking show. if there's more. Anyway. Uh, and Jennifer Mazanova says she watched Bad Education 2. The big question I had after viewing was, uh, was it for the greater good for the board to let those goofs... Uh, so Bad Education, this was the Hugh Jackman movie about the uh, president of the school or the head of the uh, superintendent who was uh, screwing the school, but in the process also making the school very successful. Um, says, was it for the greater good of the board to let the goofs slide as long as they did for the benefit of the community and its value and the value of having good schools? It was a different time as far as scandals go, but I don't think so. Cover-ups were usually perceived as worse than the... Wait, what? How can I get to the rest of the comment? Because you know Phoenix is going to yell at me if I don't get the whole thing. Where's the crime? Jennifer. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Okay. So, Phoenix also, at the end of it, says, months in advance, I was, it was so intriguing that I wrote up page on the Viri in my book. I don't know what that means. The Viri is the bird that, oh, uh -oh. that the, the Connected discusses, and it's, basically, they were able to, to chart, just in summary, they were able to chart the, when the birds begin their migration process, if they migrate early in the season or later in the season directly correlates to how bad the upcoming hurricane season is. And they did this over, you know, I think it was like four, 30, 40 years. To, so it's a solid data set. And the, the, uh, the Veery bird turns out to be much, much, much more accurate at predicting the hurricane season upcoming than we are with all of our meteorological science. Fascinating. Yeah, I, uh, as part of my, uh, my novel, The Dead Circle... I did a lot of research on butterfly migration and how an insect is able to navigate 2,500 miles to 
a very specific point where they all congregate. There's like there's like three of them across the world. But like, how is an insect able to navigate? How do they? I mean, a how are they able to? Secondary, like, why? What is the purpose of them all coming together? Obviously, to mate. But like, how is that? Like, just genetically, is really remarkable. It's funny to Uh, me that the mainstream. The main, every time I even the mainstream even, media even saying that now has become a pejorative and it, it shouldn't anyway it's interesting to me that we really only touch upon when huge leaps are being made in space exploration and what's the next venture mm. outward and I'm all for going to Mars and continuing mm-hmm. to go to the moon again and exploring space all for it however there's so much incredible science that's happening right now that we don't right. talk about, that really does take some intrinsic motivation to go out and seek. And and I'm glad that we live in a time that we don't we are not we are not bound to the library or to school to explore those things. That the internet yeah. has given rise to us, you know, exploring our own curiosities because there's so much furtive, amazing well, stories and, and science out there. And it's it's a topic for another time, but my my younger brother is a is a scientist and he's doing his research not even with like new species or this or the other thing but with bioinformatics and and using uh big data and sort of ai to crunch genetic codes that we've had on file forever so he's able to do most of his science crunching numbers and able to you know work much faster than ever before um doing that kind of stuff it's it's really fast i don't understand a lick of it <laughs> but it's really fascinating he's he's finding that really exciting all right quickly uh phoenix says i applaud keith for siding with me in with me instead of me and choosing eleanor as the mvl last week but honestly my objection to da marcia scott two weeks ago was that there was no challenge in her winning the case even though she lost so there was no test of her medal All she had to do was offer the evidence and state the obvious in order to win. There was no room to call her good or bad because her job should have been effortless. Sort of. I I somewhat agree with that, but I also think that that type of a case is so sensational. This is the Black Widow case. It's so sensationally circumstantial. It's all in inference. And so that's when you know, I, I think when you're actually getting down to the sheer legal part of it, the inference of the pattern, the it it is still all circumstantial. Like at no point did somebody see her stab him with a knife. It was all sort of he said, she said, all sort of like I don't know. So uh, I still defend Marcia Scott. God damn it. <laughs> Let me see what else. And, of course, Phoenix objected to last week uh, when I played his entire message. But he said, I'd like to go on the record with your other viewer to point out that there was another 90 seconds of my voice message in which I was very complimentary and encouraging. I'll restrain myself from going into the psychoanalysis of your inability to take a compliment laser dicks. Uh... To which totally. our entire YouTube comment section was shut down because both he and I said laser dicks and I had moderation on, so I've disabled moderation. So get ready for oh, the weird stream of porn comments we are about to get. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, and of course, I pointed out that 
buried in the subtext of all of his uh, thoughts last week. It was just a convoluted way of getting us to do the Quantum Leap pod. And he says, you got me. You also figured out that I secretly wanted more Tom Brady content. I should have known. <laughs> I couldn't have hidden my true intentions. But I had to try to keep you both from realizing I'm Mike's mom. <laughs> just you wait, man. Tom Brady... We've got some stuff in store. Um, he also yep. goes on. He also has a comment amongst his. He that's really his. YouTube is sort of his domain. In fact, I'm going to ask him probably to just moderate this chat for us. Um, he, no, he's the should, only one commenting. Um, moderate thyself, sir. Uh, but he also talks about sharing sort of my weird thoughts about last week's episode, where it was sort of it seemed very binary that it was either old man can take care of new wife with Alzheimer's or can't like there, that was the right. only thing. And I thought that was a little, it seemed a little strange, but you know, he, he chalks it up to lazy writing. I, I tend to agree. So, uh, I definitely did not surmise his point. Well, there <laughs> as is my <laughs> custom, but you can go on the YouTube comments and read it for yourself. Yeah. If you thought that last week's caffeinated version of us was going to be like the new standard. No, we're going to go right back to being sleepy and, and locale. Keith yes. And that's true. Definitely. But we are going to move on and do a little loud segment entitled... I'd like to point out that uh, what just happened there was me giving Mike a code telling him that we're going to do more TV to set up the graphics. So when I say the segment's loud... He knows what that means. He knows. He knows. He knows. All right. Well, I have two things that I would like to talk about. I have watched a lot of my, watched a lot more TV than just that. Uh, but I'd like to point out that Jillian and I, because we are uh, fans of terrible old horror movies, uh, flipped on to Amityville 1992 about oh, yes. time, which is, I think, the fifth or sixth M Amityville uh movie which doesn't even involve the Amityville house at all or even takes place in Amityville. Uh, we only got about 20 minutes into it, but the lead of that movie is none other than Stephen Macht, who we have seen on The Practice just recently. So every time I see somebody who's been on The Practice, I get excited because this is what we do now. Now, the next thing I would like to point out is uh, my good friend and co-host Megan Daglio got himself a bit of, bit of press this week. It's true. With a uh, with a feature article about his Choose Your Own Adventure show, which I'm going to get in trouble for using that phrase. Uh, yes, what's it uh, called? Uh, the, the company's uh, seize called the show. Seize, seize the Show. Yes. Seize the Show. I'll point uh, out it is not my company. I am a company member, but I, I do not have stake in the company. So it's important to, to note that. Uh, that is true. However, you do get the most press coverage. Show some of those pictures of screenshots of you acting thy face off. There it is. You look to be some sort of a scientist. Yes, yes. This is the newest show called Empowered. It's a superhero-y type of show. Uh, okay. You'll notice that I always get... They, they've a skill for screenshotting me terribly. <laughs> um, this was in Engadget, so a lifelong. I, I've always been. I've been a reader of Engadget for years, so it was cool to be on there. Uh, although Engadget did not uh, caption the pictures, so my name does not appear. So that is uh, 
We all know who it is. Yeah. But then the next, I'm so glad. So for one of the shows, it was a murder mystery. I believe it was called. Uh, oh, yes. Murder at the Man- Murder at the Manor or something like that. <laughs> Goes to, go, go figure. And <laughs> I was supposed to, I was like a 30s. So it was a 30s murder mystery. And I was playing like a 30s beat cop, New York beat cop, detective kind of guy. Uh, detective, I see why. Detective, I see. Yeah. Detective yeah, what's Esposito. going on, sir? Yeah. And I thought that maybe I should have like a really nasty mustache. I yeah. instantly regretted it. But uh here it is. There you are. So I got a sleepy eye, terrible mustache <laughs> photo on the internet for all to see. Well, uh, I, I I now on behalf of the screenshotter, as the official screenshotter of Out of Practice taking dozens of screenshots every episode. Uh, you do get some fun ones, so stick around for our season four finale. I might just put together something uh, uh, for the season finale. Oopsies. Yeah, so that's uh, SeizeTheShow.com. Also, on every Friday, we do a, an, a live game show called Don't Trust the Internet, which is actually my most fun thing because it's I get to host a game show. Uh, Wait, I didn't know about that. Yeah, so it's called Don't Trust the Internet. It's on every Friday. Uh, basically, what happens is this guy, uh, Jacob, who's one of the founders of the company. He sort of welcomes people on. He plays good host. I just play bad host. So I'm just tasked on improving and teasing people about their video setups and we see into their homes. So literally we pick three contestants live from Zoom who we don't know and then just make them put their camera on. Great idea. Let me tell you. Amazing. The first week we ever did it, we found out that the person we selected was a minor, so they couldn't even play or win. And so I was like, <laughs> Then we had this one this one lady come on, and she had these three scary, creepy Annabelle dolls behind her with no explanation. So it's it's been a hoot. So that's Don't Trust the Internet on Fridays. www.seestheshow.com. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, what What time does it air? It changes. I, I, I don't know. I just hope that I get a calendar invite so that... In fact, I thought we had a show last week on like a Wednesday and I'm sitting here in my boxers with like a suit jacket on with all my lights set up and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting <laughs> and it never came. Wow. And I was just wrong. I, so I really out of control. want to see that. That's going to be fun. Okay. Is that... That's what I've got. You have anything for more TV or can we move on? Uh, I'll just briefly say also... Uh, been watching more sports ball hockey is still growing on me and there's a new show on netflix called game on which is i don't know if you've watched any of their like best toys of the 90s best oh i sure have you know it's sort of like that about video games it's 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 diverting (laughs) i'll say because i i'm a fan of video games i'm a player of video games and so then it scratched the nostalgia feels you know like one episode's about the nintendo versus sega console wars so that scratches that niche in me uh or itch however it's not particularly any deeper than just kind of a little scratching the surface so it's nothing more than diverting but on those lines i do want to shout out a podcast that doesn't need to be shouted out it's got tons of listeners but i'll say i'm also a big fan of the dlc podcast which is a weekly video game podcast hosted by christian spicer and jeff canada who that's where i get my video game fix for 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 the week so if you happen to be a fan of video games and somehow aren't listening to dlc you will uh you'll you'll enjoy that they I and mean, of course slash film i don't know do you listen to a slash film cast no, I don't. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a. It, well, it used to be a movie review podcast, but there aren't a lot of movies coming out right now. So now they're doing a lot of like TV. They're basically doing more TV as a full podcast. 
Um, you should check that out too. So two podcasts that don't need the recommendation, I'll throw out there. DLC and the Slash Filmcast. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. The those Netflix shows, the the Toys That Made Us series, so good. Uh, yeah. I I watched the one about Star Trek action figures. I thought, and that was a mistake. Yeah, because like two hundred action figures <laughs> later, I have like an entire three tiered bookshelf that I can't fit another one there, and I am going to get them all. I am working my way through all the entire Playmates uh, uh, Star Trek action figure collection. Yeah, you know, they talked about the Dick Tracy action figures in that, and I was a collector of the Dick Tracy action figures. Uh, this will segue into our next bit, but I'll say that um, the watching the kids open their Nintendos and freak out on Christmas oh, was one of the videos, sure. and it made me think, oh my God, I have all these VHS videos of some stuff that would be great for this day in the basement. Um, I just don't have a VCR, so to convert it. I've got the the digital equipment to convert it. I just don't have right. a VCR. So I started eBaying VCRs. People yeah. are asking hundreds of dollars for VCRs. I'm not surprised because they're not making anymore and everyone's trying to do the same thing we're doing. So if anybody uh, anybody is listening that has a VCR, I will pay for you to ship it to me so I can convert some things and I will ship it back to you. Uh, otherwise, I have to wait until uh, Christmas when I see my sister so I can borrow hers. I think she has one. So, uh, Wow, you soliciting for VCRs. I never thought we'd be doing that. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should solicit something. If you have any just cold, hard cash you'd like to send me so I can pay my rent. Oh, that, we solicit that every week. Yeah, but that's for the show. <laughs> it just sits in an account that one day we'll need when we're like, we need to remember why we're doing this. No, well, you know, what we're going to do is at the end of the series, we're going to have an amazing dinner. That's true. Thanks, We're going to go and, like, get an amazing dinner. That's, I think that is And the then start the next one? And then start the next one. Otherwise, Phoenix Keep. will be at our house yelling about Quantum Leap. Better idea. How about we have this amazing dinner at your new house, and we'll just use yes. the money to buy some food? What do you say? Yeah, we can get some pretty good takeout now. Yeah, no, at, at the new house, which may or may not be coming to us either soon or Shh, never don't let's just leave it let's wait until we have something to announce oh who the hell knows uh all right let us move forward with the show it is time to hop back into the time machine to when the practice season four episode 20 liberty bells aired and this was may 7th the year 2000 and it brings us to life's eternal question what was happening this day in the basement oh that's for so, me that was yeah that that's see i was teeing you up see i was i was i played the segment i set it up and then there was like this pause there that you as the as, as the as the other host is to fill that with mouth noises yeah right remember that first visual podcast we did and there was like two slides and now there's like 65 so i mm -hmm. it, sometimes i get a little lost that's why i'm wearing my glasses today uh, like, so I, I'd like to point out that we are we are about a month away from the season oopsies, and I have already spent about five hours on the graphics. What's the air date again for this one? This was May 7th, the year 2000. Yes. All right, so uh, I'll save some sad stuff for next week. Uh, oh. But this week, I actually want to piggyback on last week where I showed uh, me as a rowing coach, and then I, I teased a story about... Uh, finding a dead body oh, and just right. kind of left it floating. Oh, I want to hear this. I just kind of left that story floating there. 
And I've, I, I wanted to give a little bit of visual context instead of just like teasing something that will never resolve. Um, Please don't show a body. I'm not going to show a body. So just as a quick <laughs> reminder, this was that uh, vid I showed. Right. Um, and uh, that's me there. But Keith said I looked like an arm wrestler. So you, with that, with, I don't know, that haircut also adds a certain connotation to it. <laughs> Where we actually rode. Don't this give is him the, the bunny. This is the actual Upper Marion boathouse that we rode out of. And oh, you'll so see beautiful. These are two sculling boats that are in the water right now, two four skulls, they're called, because there are four people sitting in them, and a skull is when you use two oars, and then a sweep is when you see rowers who have just one oar. So now you've learned. Sweep is one oar, sculling is two oars. And <clears throat> you can't see it, but off to the left side of that picture, there's a little shadow of a, of a little motorboat, and that's where I would sit. And uh, as these uh, girls pushed out from the dock, they encountered some what they thought was dead wood and got caught in their oars, like tangled in their oars. So I went over to clear it, and that's when I found uh, an arm um, connected to a body, and the police came, and they asked a bunch of questions as they do to investigate, and it was as simple as that. It really wasn't as intriguing as I said. However, it's pretty intriguing. That is one of my greatest fears. Yeah. I don't ever want to find a body. Uh, unfortunately, I have a list of bodies, I've, but that's <laughs> that, that sounds more nefarious than. Um, <laughs> you really want to be saying that on the internet. No. So, but this, I want to show you the other angle of the dock, which is more important. So, this is what it looks like during a regatta, and uh, that is the Schuylkill River as we've discussed. Now, that is not Boathouse Row, like you might have heard about in Philadelphia. I know we're visiting Philadelphia in the episode today. This is uh, the Upper Mar This is way west of the city, uh, part of the Schuylkill River. So, let me get a better shot without all these people there. Wait, oh, I didn't, I didn't show it. Sorry, I was looking at it. I didn't show it. That's during a regatta, of which there are only two or three during the season at this actual boathouse, because it's very small. But as a better angle here, Take a peek. That is that. See that bridge there. So I'm gonna jump sure. to the end of the story. What they ended up having uh, found to have happened was, unfortunately, people think that that bridge isn't that high. So in the summertime, I guess a couple of friends were jumping off. Oh, uh, okay. And as you know, the higher you go, water becomes basically cement. Cement. Yeah. yeah. And so this unfortunate person, uh, I guess fell the wrong way or whatever happened and they don't believe it was they didn't think it was suicide they they thought it was an accident so <clears throat> just terrible uh, that's yeah so i want to, it's not a happy ending but i want to yeah so so as opposed to going down the sad route well <laughs> dead bodies are rarely a happy ending so it turns that's, out that's true that's uh, true. so anyway i want to just give a little bit of clear context uh as to what happened in that story so we'll go back to you keith Okay. Well, interesting. Well, mine mine has a happy ending, um, although I uh, I have to preface this story with this is the story of the only time in my life I have ever hit a woman. And what? And what yeah, right. I'm gonna give you a moment to just stop now and let me edit that out. No, no, no. It's fun. Okay. We'll, we'll proceed. So this was the night of. The probably one of the most famous NHL hockey games of the okay. last 50 years, and certainly famous for me. This was the Flyers-Penguins series that I mentioned last week, uh, that at this point, the Flyers went into the third longest... Now, you were a Flyers fan at this point, right? Flyers fan at this point. Okay. 
And this was the, uh, I think, the third longest game in NHL history. And it went into five full overtime periods. And the way hockey works, there are three periods of 20 minutes. Now, the overtime periods are a full 20 minutes. So when you have five of those, we have played one full game, two full games, and we're into the second period of a third full game that night. And uh, the game started at 7. It didn't finish until just before 2 in the morning. The uh, There's an amazing podcast that I, I truly recommend um, that NBC Sports did about this game um, uh, just a couple of months ago. And uh, like the arena ran out of food. Because <laughs> it was so long? It was so long that there was no food, no beverages. People were asleep in the stands. There was the teams ran out of food. And so they were literally ordering delivery pizza to show up between periods to do this. Ron Tugnut, the goalie for uh, uh, for the Penguins. Gotta stop you. Yep. His yep, last name I know. is Tugnut. Tugnut. Sure is. Okay. His, he, professional hockey player, Ron Tugnut. And uh, I believe he lost 17 pounds in the game. And uh, low cal anyway, tugnut. Low cal tugnut. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I was in the basement of the Eastman dorms watching this game with my girlfriend at the time. Who was tugging and a nut of her own, if you know who, what I'm saying. Who, who was. <laughs> Boo! No way! Boo! Zing! Zing! Not zing! That's the laziest zing <laughs> of all time. When someone hands you a tug nut, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> you gotta use it. Uh, you know, well, that's, that's right. The uh, the the uh, Flyers goalie was lazy fellatio. So funny! <laughs> <laughs> what a coincidence! Uh, it's just so funny. It's crazy. Boring BJ at center <laughs> ice. <laughs> It was actually Brian Boucher, so it's oh, kind of that. It's pretty close, yeah. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> by this point, at almost 2 o'clock in the morning, she was asleep on my lap when finally this happened. Fifth OT. That's eight periods of hockey. It's Keith Primo's time. It's you too. We don't hear any of it. Yeah, so it'll show up. So that is the, the audio of Keith Primo, the uh, deadline acquisition that season, future captain of the Flyers, scored in the fifth overtime, and I lost my ever-loving shit. And what I did, I believe I was like, yes! And I punched her in the back of the head so hard, and I felt so... <laughs> she's like dead asleep, and she's uh. woken up by being punched in the back of the head and this idiot screaming bloody murder and dancing around the room. I felt so bad. That must have been very frightening for her. I, I, I wasn't, you know, there was a lot of, our, our relationship was traumatic in many ways. That was the one time it was like that. I felt right, so bad. Well, we, we apologize to former and current ex-girlfriend for the uppercut you received because Keith is a hockey nerd. Because I'm a hockey nerd, uh, and so I, I don't think she ever sat that close to me again during a hockey game, and that was probably why. Unfortunately, every NHL, uh, every Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup playoffs, she uh, has 
unfortunate PTSD syndrome and has aftershocks. Yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Poor thing. Anyway, uh, I, I felt terrible. I did not mean to. All right, let us continue forward with. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. That's us. That's us. We are talking about May 7th, the year 2000. Don't worry. Was still the number one song. Santana. I've been singing this all week. No, me too. I'd never heard it before we started doing this podcast, and now I'm like, oh, I'm totally on board. We covered the Boys Refresh, talked about the IRA being open, uh, IRA opening its arms cash. Back in 2000, the IRA was still a big concern. Funny, it feels so out of date now. The top movie was the eventual Best Picture winner, Gladiator, which took in $34 million in its first week of premieres. Thank you, Jeff James and TTYM. For your very good Maria Maria cover. This would be when I did sports ball, but I already did sports ball. So that leaves us with this. Oh, we missed you last week. Can yeah. you tell me the weather? Cause we all need, need to, know. to know. Was it hot? Did it snow? I don't know. Neither. Tell me oh. the weather from 21 years ago. Now, as listeners will know, I am not retiring Time Machine weather in perpetuity. Oh, it's hell simply, no. It's simply going to just pop up here and there when I find it to be important or when there's something to say in regards to it. In fact, I want to uh, thank founding sponsor Jorge Novoa, who actually engaged me in a, a nice chat online. Uh, we had uh, tossed around some ideas of uh, something else I could do with this time. And uh, let's say I'm taking that under consideration, <laughs> which is, for me, that is high marks. Uh, maybe I'll tease it before uh, next season when I will be in earnest. Um, wow. But I, but I was actually going to do Time Machine weather this week. And, you know, the normal, just like tell you what it is in the three cities we visit. So I was starting in New York uh, because... You know, that's where I usually take a peek. And I read something about May 7th, the year 2000, that I thought, no way can this be true. In New York, on New York City, May 7th, the year 2000, the high was 93 degrees, Keith. That's, that's not that hot, though. Okay? It's hot for May, for sure. But it's not that right. hot. I mean, we've had a, t almost going on three weeks of hotter temperatures here. Sure, sure. I then read and had to reread on three websites because I didn't believe it, that 93 degrees on May 7th in the year 2000 was the hottest recorded temperature of the entire year in New York. Really? In Pennsylvania, <clears throat> it didn't happen until June, but the highest recorded temperature was 94 degrees. Excuse me, take that back. In uh, Massachusetts, uh, 94 degrees was the highest temperature. For the whole year, okay? So 
I, that's floored me because I started thinking, look, I'm not going to even engage in the global warming debate. I don't think there's a debate. But, it's a hoax. I mean, just look at 20 years. The highest recorded temperature of the entire year in New York was 93 degrees. Uh, we're all going to burn. My boxers are hotter than 93 degrees right now because of the outside humidity. All right? Yeah. So hashtag tug nut that. That's this week's time machine weather <laughs> weather tidbit for the week. It's your weather tug nut for the week. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, so it is. Where is it? I've got a thing. Here we go. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Okay, we are finally talking about season four, episode 20 of The Practice, entitled Liberty Bells. It was Ding. written. Ding. Oh, thank you. I, th that was that was Liberty? I was ringing the Liberty, but in fact, I'll put a little no, thing no. up. Ding, ding, no, I, and it cracks. Oh, oh okay, I'm not going to cool. build that graphic. I, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you will. <laughs> so if at home you have that graphic and you've, and you've got it queued up on your VCR, <laughs> mail that VCR to Mike and With Deglo. the graphic included. With the graphic included. Hey, all right, so this episode was written by David E. Kelly and Alfonso H. Moreno. It was directed by Michael Schultz, who last directed Split Decision. That leaves us with only one eternal question. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Keith, has anyone ever told you you should be a ventriloquist? Because you're <laughs> that very was pretty good. good. That's that. pretty spectacular. Um, this is, uh, I'm going to do a what does Mike think is going to happen, and then a, a quick what does Mike hope is going to happen. Oh. First, what does Mike think is going to happen? Well, I, I hope that they're not getting clever with the titles again. Liberty Bells means we're spending the entire show in Philadelphia with Eleanor Freud. <laughs> and what? the final chapter of the trilogy of episodes where she is trying to finally get justice for uh, our guy in prison. She's got the DNA. She's ready. They, she was just denied by the appeals court on the habeas corpus thing, and we're going to go to the last leg, all right? Now, I want to use this little cigarette right here that I see Keith yes. has dropped in as the Easter egg. And I want to go to what does Mike think, what does Mike hope is going to happen? Mm -hmm. I've been wondering all week, legitimately, why haven't they tested the DNA already? Wouldn't it be more effective to go into these, these appeals hearings and say, we've run the DNA. He's not the guy. Right. He needs a new trial. But they haven't done that. They've been asking, do you need permission to run a DNA test? Or is uh, it that you need permission to run it on the, on the rape kit? I believe it's, it's on the rape kit. Yes. Yeah, they, right. they, uh, that's what they were fighting for. In so the my, last episode, Eleanor was fighting to test that, to get a test on that DNA. So this week, uh, you'll remember last week I talked about that HBO documentary on the uh, Golden State Rapist. Right. And it's, you know, it turns out this week he was actually sentenced to life in prison, actually a, a bunch of life in prisons and 
<clears throat> you know, for all the different murders and rapes and, and such. And they actually ended up catching him by going through his trash and getting DNA from a discarded item in his trash. So I'm thinking this right. cigarette here might indicate that whoever the person ends up being the actual perp, they catch him by a discarded cigarette, which I think they might have used on the show before as a trick. Uh, I don't Something remember like done that. on this show. There have been plenty of shows who do work like that. So that's my thought, but more... In a spec I, episode of Law & Order that sort of ended like that. I still hope that uh, the offhanded red herring comment that... Uh, what's the, the prisoner's name again? Stuart Donovan. Know. Stuart Donovan. Right, right. That he... It has been framed by the priest that keeps coming to see him. I just think that would be so tasty. Uh, oh, that would be interesting. So that's my thought. That's that's Mike. What does Mike think is going to happen? And what does Mike hope is going to happen? Okay. Well, folks, it is time for you to click over to your audio podcast or just don't do anything if you're just listening to the audio of this. And Mike and I are going to talk about this episode. We'll see you back on the YouTube shortly. Season four, episode 20, Liberty bells you've got to be kidding this is a matter of life and death i'm sorry without an appointment there's really nothing i've been trying to make an appointment you offered me one of two days in july by that time Stuart donovan will be dead miss frud the governor did consider your request and as i don't far mean as I to be rude but i don't believe he did because from everything i've read about him he's not only intelligent but he's extremely fair-minded and there is no way he would have denied this reprieve had he considered the facts of i this assure particular... you he did I'd like to hear from him. Miss Mathers, I am asking for 30 seconds of his time, and after that, you can have me escorted out. How would this administration run, Miss Frud, if we were to give 30 seconds to every attorney who marched in here looking to stay in execution? Actually, I think it would run just fine. This is the second... Now, we don't need David E. Kelly to tell us. We're seeing it in real time, as we usually are, that <clears throat> uh, executions, depending on where a particular uh, governor has run on the issue are generally uh, smiled upon because they enforce the sort of hard-nosed, you know... Law and order! Law and order. On crime! So my guess is that this is exactly the sort of political point that David E. Kelly and the show is is reminding us of here. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I, I sort of believe that the, uh, the death penalty is a political endeavor, not a practical endeavor, which is why I'm against it. Anyway, we should talk about... Lady obstructing justice. Lady who's wearing an unfortunate neckerchief. Yeah, she's like on Scooby Doo. An ascot. Mm. Uh, this is Carol Locatel from Friday the Thirteenth Part Five: The Family Stone Mathnet with my friend Tony and Mash. Uh, real quick, uh, rewind to more TV. Another show I've been watching, but this one is like my insomnia watch, uh, and it's not even a uh, Mel Gibson movie. <clears throat> oh, how about that? Yeah, it's called World's Toughest Prisons on Netflix, and it is this guy who was uh, falsely, uh, Raphael, I believe his name is? Uh, anyway, he was falsely accused of a, and spent 12 years of his life in prison, and now has a Netflix show where he travels the world and goes to like the hardest-nosed prisons. and. Ugh is actually goes into the prison and talks to the inmates and serves time as if he was one of them. 
goes in for a week. Really? Yeah, it's awesome. And one I just watched last night, which is going to be a good juxtaposition to what you're just talking about, is in Norway. And they do one, they have a prison that costs $150,000 per prisoner per year. That's taxpayer uh, paid. But it is all about rehabilitation. There are no life sentences. The max sentence for any crime you can serve in Norway is 10 years. Max. Wow. So they invest heavily into prisoner rehabilitation, and the results are startling. When you see their reoffending rate, Keith, below 50%. I'm, I'm sure. I, yeah. I, and uh, as, as usual, I feel like we live in a country run by five-year-olds. When you walk into adults. this prison, when you walk into this prison, they shake your hand. And, and they are sitting around playing. Like I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to go into a, a debate about it. It's just interesting. It's it's an interesting watch. The whole series is. There's like three seasons, but this one in particular is really interesting. Anyway, sorry. Interesting. Yeah. Maturity of a country must be nice. One minute in four years isn't likely to cripple his administration. I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to leave. Could you give him this note? I'm afraid I can't. I'm sorry. Could you shove it up his ass? Could you pass on a gesture? <laughs> Your 30 seconds with me are up. Oh, a quick reminder. Since 1985, nationwide, there have been at least 10 botched executions by lethal injection. Mr. Berluti, what is the basis of this petition? That to subject my client to lethal injection would amount to cruel and unusual punishment. Okay, so they denied the request for a new trial or to test the, the DNA. So now they're just trying to right. not get lethal injection. Right, right. This is sort of like a Hail Mary to try to given slow, the likelihood slow down the process. Counsel, for us to order that DNA test, you have to show that a reasonable jury couldn't have found your client guilty. We went through all that last week. We turned you down. What's changed in the last nine days? Well, we had Honor, a third episode I thought film? perhaps the court turned us down mainly on the constitutional ground. That's why we've come back today with stronger constitutional grounds, that being the Eighth Amendment, cruel and unusual punishment. The petition is denied, and defense yeah, counsel one. is fined $1,000. We're adjourned. Okay, stop it right there. I have, I have an important question for you. Okay, the podcast is adjourned. Uh, it's adjourned. What accent is he trying to do? Well, I'm glad we're making the same point. I don't know. <laughs> He is playing a judge whose last name is Silk, which I find pretty funny. That's what I saw in his nameplate. And he said, Dep clearly said adjunct, which means that is a choice at an accent that is, I cannot place. What, and I was like thinking, It is not is Philadelphia. This, well, that, well, that's, is he trying to do a Boston accent? Is he unaware that this episode is in Philly? Because it ain't Philly, hon. Huh. Uh, so, I guess that's uh, possible. Like, did you get confused or something? It's definitely not an attempt at a northeast regional because, um, well, your your wife will tell you that <clears throat> that is not it. It's very no, wide it, vowels. It's sure not adjuned. No, Although you do say well, water, so water. No, yeah, no. Th there's something in the water here. Uh, I, I think he was trying to do a Boston because Boston's hard, but it is. Uh, oh my god, it drives me insane when my family from northeast Philadelphia or anywhere in that region, the northeast. It's like, how come you don't have an accent like we do? Oh, please, I spent 20 years, 20 years and school and money and being a professional 
to at least get a slightly neutral accent. People just do not appreciate. Anyway, that's that's my, well, that's, no, save that for we're therapy. We're trying to save it. Wait, no, because I have a thought on that too. Because I am, uh, I'm from a place with an accent as well. But what I had right from you know uh, in utero was the pretension not to have it. So. People, when I was a kid, people didn't know where I was from in my own hometown because okay, I'm just bumper. pretentious enough not to have it. Oh, yes. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Keith is pompous. I was substitute. Oh, yes. I was I can't substitute wait to teaching. have a visual something for that. Oh, yeah. You have to work on that. I was substitute teaching the year after graduate high school at a middle school, like just next door. Um, it wasn't the one I went to, but like the next county over. And the kids were asking me, like, where are you from, Mr. Varney? Are you from England or something? Except it wasn't like, where are you from, Mr. Varney? You from uh, England or something? Mm. <laughs> oh, God. It's dick. pronounced Tugnut. I'm being put to death. And you're <laughs> fining me now $1,000? I am, sir. You're here with nothing new. Yes, Taking that is up an attempt at a bad Mass- Massachusetts accent. Yeah. Time of a district attorney. Three Clearly, the director didn't have time to, to remind them all the where employees. we were taking this scene. And the this fine scene is place. going up to fifteen hundred if you say another word. Can you imagine? He sits down with his family months later to watch the episode. He's like, "Guys, here's, here's my big, my big thing." I though. worked so hard. I have a coach. I'd listen to the cassette tape and my Walkman like for hours and hours. <laughs> and then they see the story arc begin. They're like, "Oh, in Philadelphia." And he's like, "Oh shit." <laughs> Suppose the tubes close like they have in the past. I'm not entitled <laughs> to be concerned about that. The court will allow counsel to inspect the executioner's equipment. The fine is now 1500 Oh, now they're fucking with Berludi and Frut, and that is a recipe for disaster. They're fucking with Berludi. Go Fox! Are we going to see any of the rest of the team, or do you think we're just going to see Frut and Berludi and uh, what's his name, uh, John Hawks? Are we going to see more John Hawks this episode? He really hasn't done a ton. They're out packing the can, haven't yet. Oh, I thought they were going to get a Coke and a hoagie. <laughs> McCack is rack had. <laughs> that's a, a, had a had an acting coach say that's how to get into it. <laughs> into a Boston. Oh, that's funny. Ah, William Penn. Ah, yes, the streets of Boston. Oh, wait, no. He saw this flyover. He's like, oh, oh, shit. God damn it. Oh, that was the slowest crossfade I've ever seen. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, Lucy. Joel Bullock, prison informant. Supposedly, Earl Taylor's mentor taught him everything he knows. I'd I like you to wonder. They love to bring Earl- Lucy on a uh, a cross country journey. Well, maybe not cross country in this case, but on a a travel day. <laughs> Who's answering the phone? That's that's true, and especially if we haven't established that she's working as a paralegal. Yeah, I'd like to like, go back to that 1991 spreadsheet we saw on that CRT monitor of their pay of their pay scale. I hope Lucy's getting a double dip at least for all this extra work she's doing. You would think a lot of travel, a lot of travel. the details of the crime. You want me to meet with him? Evidently, she brings all those bathing suits in the last episode. She's like, "Hey, I'm going to go to the beach," and they're like, "Oh no, by the way, you have uh, 37 hours of clerical duties to do, please." Exactly. For young girls, 
Forget it. You will be separated by a partition. You just have to go and talk to him. Do I have to? No. But you might be our best shot. No, but... The clothes. Okay, so... Excuse me? We shouldn't discuss what they're about to set up there. They are sending Lucy to try to get information from a creepy prisoner because he likes little girls. So and they're, they're like, forcing her to go talk to him. Yes. So while and while that creepy discussion is taking place, Eugene, I hope you screenshot this, Keith, because Eugene is sitting there staring at a wall of crime scene videos or pictures. And it's a creepy, creepy shot. This is at, uh, uh, I don't know, sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't they don't they don't show you the they only show you the, the end the like the running time. They don't actually tell you what it is anymore. It's very annoying. Yeah, YouTube made some changes and not or Hulu. Made I'm not some a changes. fan. I have a lot of notes that include the uh, include the time code. Well, also they they also uh, did that party thing, and all the party thing does is sync up when the two pl- places start. You both can't stop and start the episode. Like it's, you're not really watching it together. It's kind of right. Melissa Kearns was raped and killed while wearing a nightshirt. First word so? problems. So there's nothing in here about it ever being tested. All the semen samples came from the rape kit swab. So what? Well, the rape kit was introduced at trial. That's why they're saying it's not new evidence. The nightshirt, that was never introduced. We can make the argument that would be new evidence. It was never tested. Maybe there's something on it. What about the cigarette Where would the nightshirt be? Ooh. All right, girl, this is your first acting gig on national television. Oh, I'm so excited, Daddy. What What is the part? You're playing Daddy in this scene, Keith. Oh, oh. Uh, well, we just need you to look like a horribly mangled corpse in a photograph, but we're going to zoom in slowly onto it. Uh, so I get some screen time? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, just a still photograph. And oh, you, right. you won't be able to join SAG, and it's not even under, in under five. You're technically an extra. So, we'll so you'll probably get paid like, no, no, it's going to be about 150 bucks. Okay, well, by horribly mangled, does it mean I have to look with dead eyes and be strangled with my hands tied behind my back? Oh, for a very long time, because this is going to take a long time to focus the shot. All right, well, as long as you stick a yellow sticky note on it. Okay, great. Now, can you promise me that 20 years in the future, two weird white guys will have a whole spend a whole five minutes on a podcast describing in gruesome detail this photograph I embarrassingly, embarrassingly had to talk and didn't even get credit on IMDb for? Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I can't see the future uh, and, and understand technology or how that might work, but I guarantee a bunch of creepy white guys will be analyzing that photo for a long time. She probably went to the coroner with it. That was a weird we establishing shot for the coroner. The nightshirt. Mm. That's what it says. The father of the victim requested that we send it along with the body to the mortuary. Why the hell would he request that? Kearns. He must be Jewish. What? Yeah. It's an ancient Jewish custom. Let the victim of a violent crime be buried in the clothes they died in. It's thought to arouse compassion in God and hasten the end of the exile. Really? She was buried in the nightshirt. It's in the coffin. They're going to exhume the body? Well, because they can't 
test the DNA in the rape kit, just like you said, they're looking for another source of the DNA. Meanwhile... So Lucy is here, all alone, talking to this creep. Keto? Ugh. Ugh. What are you? Fifteen? If you could help me, sir. Stuart Donovan is scheduled for ex- Uh... Not 15. Not 15. Uh, just, just so we don't break through it, this is Joe J. Garcia in a... Uh, speaking of having a conversation with your agent about what role you're going to play. Gotta pay that rent, buddy. The day after tomorrow. Show me a little something before we get started. Excuse me? <laughs> you know, flashy, flashy, something trashy. And they gave him such choice writing as well. Oh, this is an I ugly, not gonna ugly... Flash you. Scene. I'm, I'm told that you know how Earl Taylor got the details on Stuart Donovan's case. Show me one little titty. Mr. Bullock, I'm one here One little titty will speak volumes. You give, I give, little miss. That's the way justice works. Now you say somebody's life's at stake. You tell me what you know. Okay. I, I don't want to belabor the point here. Clearly it's gross. I understand that. Here's the thing, though. If this was any of the other lawyers in the firm that this was happening to, Eugene or somebody would beat the living shit out of this guy, right? If this happened in lockup or whatever, you know, Eugene, he'd strong arm this guy. How dare you? Or remember when Lucy was the victim of the VCR taping, then Bobby threw that guy up against the wall, jacked him up, all that stuff. But yet here, they send her into it. On purpose. Right. That's that's fucking gross, man. This is the intent. The intent is for this to happen. But she, she agreed, although she didn't agree with a smile. I mean, this she was She's clearly kind of She's the secretary. She should not be put in this position ever. This is a... Especially this knowing not, that she's a victim of a, of a sexual predator. Before, oh my, twice. Yeah, this and is I'll insane. This would not fly that. today. Booty up front. That's the way it works. Goodbye, Mr. Bullock. Wait, wait, no, no, wait, wait. Keith, just tell me she doesn't sh- doesn't do anything for this guy. He got the facts. I'd like to say Andy fought them off, pretending to be a police officer. I'd like to say hard. that most are stupid. He that was the worst Morgan Freeman. Was that ever. your Morgan Freeman? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> why did he have a? Why, it was like Morgan Freeman by way of Forrest Gump. <laughs> it was way more Forrest Gump than it was Morgan Freeman. In fact, I would say. Oh, it, the only percentage of Morgan Freeman was that I know the lines from that movie. That's the, that's it. <laughs> I think it's more like a Bill Clinton. I'd like to say to be a bail bonds. Andy fought Next. off the guy. Yes, I think officially like I'll rank it. That. 80 85% Forrest Gump, 10%, 12% Bill Clinton, and then whatever the remainder is was Morgan he Freeman. He calls the DA's record room. <laughs> Posing as an assistant district attorney. That's terrible. That's all you need to find out anything about any crime. You can get all this on the phone from prison? Fifteen minutes. I seen Earl do it in less. All right, little lady. It is showtime. Come on, Lucy. Gross! Well, there's my belly button piercing. That's it. Stomach. Bye, Joel. What? That I give you was... everything and you give me stomach? Oh, man. I'll tell you what you're going to get 
the practice. You want Regardless to of how good this episode order. turns out to be, that scene is costing you an entire tire. I think two tires, Keith. For the writing and then for the execution. And for just doing that to your character and to just women in general. Two spare tires, one from each of us, lost. Allowing us to exhume the body of Alyssa Kearns. Your Honor denied our request to have the... That'll show them. Yeah, boy, they're going to go back and fix it. The nightshirt in the casket is new evidence. How is it new evidence? It was no secret Alyssa Kearns was wearing a nightshirt on the night of the crime. With due diligence, Mr. Donovan's lawyers could have tracked it down years ago. It was not foreseeable that the victim would be buried in the nightshirt she died in in accordance with an ancient Jewish custom. And with the existence of the rape kit, there was never a need to go looking for it. smoking still. I would submit that we have a right to post-conviction discovery under exceptional circumstances. Stuart Donovan is about to be put to death. If that's not exceptional circumstances... You don't know there's DNA on that nightshirt. If there's not, what are you afraid of? You still still get to execute him and you don't have to cancel your party plans. Oh, yeah. I direct... So if if you're keeping track at home, we are back with the first judge we met two episodes ago who was the original... who was the judge on the original trial. And so he is the person you appeal to first before it gets taken up to the circuit court and then to the Supreme Court. So, but Jimmy is fighting with the circuit court. Circuit court on a different matter. I I think what happens, and I I could be wrong, like better podcast, uh, that you have to start each appeal at where it started and work your way up. So because this is a different appeal, you have to start back at the beginning and work your way up. Uh, and the returning, uh, well, he won an oopsie. George so. Wallace as judge. The court to Commonwealth versus Kivlin. Not the that. court Wallace of appeals denied defendant's motion not. for exhumation because the existence of the evidence sought was speculative and uncertain. Kivlin involved looking for trace gunpowder residue. That's nowhere near the scientific. Side note, do yourself a favor and go on IMDb and check out George Wallace. His, his headshot is really interesting. Yeah, he's an amazing career. That's back when he was doing 50s sci-fi. Certainty of DNA. Your Honor, this crosses a line. They're looking to desecrate a grave and victimize Ms. Kearns yet one more time. I object to that. I'd also like to point out that the prosecution of Stuart Donovan has now cost the taxpayers over $1 million. They had a trial. They had an appeal. They have since gone on to the state Supreme Court, the Federal Circuit Court. They've come back to you twice. They've gone to the United States Supreme Court. For every one of these Hail Marys, the district attorney's office must file briefs. We must show up. We're now going on 13 years. We're over a million dollars. Now they come in looking to dig up the victim. Where in God's name does it stop? With one simple DNA test. All right. The nightshirt may very well be new evidence. But there's no offer before me that it even contains any DNA evidence, much less exculpatory. Because nobody looked. Even so, under Kivlin, I can't reopen on speculation. And that's all you're barking with. Your motion is denied. For the record, he does have a Liberty Bell on his desk. Caroline Cava is back as John Hawk's mom. So this is what, our fourth loss in this case? Yeah. We're getting our ass handed We're still to us. Trying. Lucy got some information on Earl Taylor, how he gets his information. And we're going to go to Mr. Kearns tomorrow. He can authorize us to dig up the body. 
hate to break in here yet again, although that's kind of what we do professionally. I want to point out that that faulty graphics card that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Keith, <laughs> that cost yes. about 500 bucks. Jesus. H- had I known that for 500 bucks, I could have a team of lawyers fight for me for oh. going on weeks now. That I, I was wondering where that was going. Yeah, that would have been a better investment. Indeed. Why would any father agree to let his daughter get dug up? John Hawks. It's over. So they shot all his scenes for all three of these episodes in one shot, right? Where's my mother off crying now? You'd think, but I doubt it. She's at home. I love that they let so much silence sit. Well, when you have an actor like John Hawks, yeah. just point the camera, let him do his... Well, both of these actors. I never believed it would happen. Get out of their way. Let them do their thing. Even when I got sentenced, I figured, you know, it's a mistake. I'll get cleared up, but... We're there. The day is here. Jimmy and Eugene are going to go look at the equipment. It's only been used once in the past four years, so maybe if they could find... Good work by both of them. Jeez. I want to point out a point I made last week or week before, whatever. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, do yourselves a favor. Jump onto Hulu and, and check that scene out because, once again, strip away the scoring, which is wonderful. Strip away the camera work and the zooming, which is wonderful. And remember that these are two actors sitting in a room with going on 30, 40 people pointing and lights and cameras at them, Right. They're working through that to create that scene. They create that scene with something we call stakes. Keith, a quick a quick briefer on stakes? Well, stakes are the stakes that your character is feeling at that point. You're you as a writer, you want to set up objectives and stakes. Stakes are why it's important, why this moment is 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 happening and what you have to lose in each of those situations and objectives is what do you want? So if you have a lot of if, if you have something you want very much and you have a lot to lose, the stakes are very high. And yeah, that what, makes for good writing. And what John Hawks did there is that he didn't just play the scene he was in with the words on the page. We felt the years in prison, all of the waiting, the anticipation, and the realization of what he's in store for. And and, and it's just, uh, it the all fear, comes together. The sadness, the betrayal. Yep. That's why I, like, very, I love, I love the word. Very subtly, too alchemy when it comes to acting and performance and collaboration because it's not one element you know it was, it was that scoring that and then the the camera work and the direction and the writing and the stakes and the acting all comes together magically to create a really powerful scene from both yeah. of the actors there that's i said why don't we just go and dig up the body ourselves we can't do that why because it's a crime i'll serve the time if I get DNA that'll clear my son, we that would can't make for a hell of an episode. They just go dig Listen, up the body. It's probably not a bad idea for you to go with Jimmy to see the father. A mother's agony. Does he know you're coming? He doesn't know when I'm coming to ask him. 
And Eugene, I ask. guess you should check the execution equipment. Who knows? The, f- the dad had a great scene two episodes ago. Yep. Or last episode. Yeah. You okay? So we haven't filmed in like a week and a half. I'm fine. I thought it wasn't the first episode of the three. I don't know. I'm lost. Yeah, whatever. And that other one. How Leon did you Russell expect me to respond, Mr. Baluti? Terrible. According to the mortician, the nightshirt was folded and put in the casket. We wouldn't have to touch the remains of your daughter. I can't believe I'm sitting in my own living room, listening. Mr. Kearns, you and I have never spoken. We both lost our children. Mrs. Donovan, you and I have nothing in common. If there's DNA that matches up with my son, I will drop any further appeal. You're asking me to dig up my own daughter's grave. Mr. Kearns, I would think a father would want to know for sure. Oh, you would think that, would you, Mr. Baluti? You won't get closure unless you're sure. You put that nightshirt in the casket asking for God's compassion. The compassion we're asking for is yours. Great. That's a great argument. Yep. Please. I'm begging you. I will say, usually already in this episode, we've used underhanded tricks before. Here's a circumstance where, at least morally, I believe this is an appropriate and uh, fair ask. Huge, yeah, well, and also, and, and this is where establishing this character as a tortured but reasonable man mm-hmm. starts to pay off because this becomes an ask that is possible. We don't know what he's going to do, but like based on what we know about him, we know he's not a crazy person. He's just a, a, a reasonable man in pain. I would have loved that line Jimmy had about about the compassion to have come from the mom, but semantics. He's the series regular. Yeah. What will you do? Just open the lid, take the nightshirt, and put her right back in the ground. And he nodded to say yes. Is this a dress run or is that actually him that's strapped in? No, no, it's a a rehearsal. Eugene's there to see if it works. Oh, right. Give me Green Mile vibes. Yeah. On the count of three. One, two, three. Seeing the vials pumping in the poison. Oof. One at a time. 
This is ostensibly how we execute people to this very day, no? Oh yeah, yeah, no question. The medications might have changed slightly here and there, but... I, I don't know. I don't think so. Done. Okay, let's start from the top. This time we'll do it as if the condemned was struggling. Eugene is horrified. Horrified. <laughs> no, he should be. It's horrifying. Front. F-R-U-T-T. Front! Stuart Donovan, stay of execution. Yes. Yes, I understand that you'll get back to me, but I just want it brought to Justice Souter's attention that the execution date is tomorrow. Yes. Souter, that's... Thank you. Thank you very National much. National Supreme Court. Yes. Supreme Court justices aren't even made aware of these requests. Their, their law clerks just stamp denied, and then they go out and play basketball. Interesting choice. Souter's playing basketball. Maybe golf. RBG, huh? maybe. One second, please. It's the doctor from the lab. Here we go. Dr. Dunham, Eleanor Frott. The whole ball game here, Keith. Only 20-some minutes in. Are you sure? Okay. Thank you. Let me discuss it here, and I will call you back. Oh, shit. Thank you. Well? Not a match. There was DNA on the nightshirt. Come on. Two semen stains. It did not match Stuart's. Yeah! I mean, I absolutely knew that was coming, but it, it was there exciting nonetheless. Thank you, God. Thank you, dear God. Look, that doesn't mean anything, girl. <laughs> not yet. Oh, what is now? What's the. Well, they have to say yes, right? And we can document chain of custody. Dr. Dunham is a DNA specialist that your office uses, so you're certainly aware of his credentials. Wow. I'm hoping we can now offer a joint recommendation asking for Stuart Donovan's release. Not going to happen. Well, I'm not sure I can do that. Well, you now have conclusive proof he didn't do it. Did Dr. Dunham put this into the National Data Bank? He did. There's been no ID. Look, I'm not going to pretend I'm not shocked here. Obviously, this comes as quite a surprise. But... It doesn't clear Stuart Donovan. It only means somebody else could have been there with him that night. What? Stuart Donovan was seen going into that house. At 9 o'clock? No. The witness said between 11.30 and 12. The witness was a drunk who saw Johnny Carson on TV and thought it was between 11.30 and 12. Mr. Young, we didn't convict with semen stains on a nightshirt. We convicted with eyewitness testimony. We convicted a, with his confession. The confession was a lie. You say so, but I don't have any evidence of that. I don't believe I'm hearing this. You still plan to execute? This new evidence only goes to show somebody else could have been there in addition to your client. Or it could have been an That's old some Helen Gamble the coldness before, right the there, week Yeah, before. sure is. It doesn't disprove the evidence against Stuart Donovan. How could they not let him go now? I don't understand. Come on. Back to court. Federal? Common, please. Judge Wood? If we went to federal, they'd kick us back to state court on this. Plus, they definitely don't want to see me again. Judge Wood. He's all we got. Lucy, let's go. We can't go to federal. Jimmy, see if there's a state court law Why that we... Judge Wood? Would you shut up? Yeesh. 
sorry. It's just... I'm so sorry. I think that that moment of vulnerability from Eleanor there is really well earned. Lucy, we need an affidavit on what Joe Bullock told you. Jimmy, get a declaration from Dr. Dunham, plus the test results. Done. And keep calling the Supreme Court. Arrest them. You want me to argue? Eleanor is on quite a journey on this, and I like it. Mary. It's okay. Conspiracy? Now they think it's a conspiracy? We're going into court again in the morning. Why are they doing this? Because they're desperate to believe they've got the right guy. Look, we've arranged to have you transferred to the court. Your presence there could count for something. Have we heard from the Supreme Court? They don't seem to be returning our calls this week. Where, where's Eleanor? She's working on her statement for tomorrow's hearing. We're not giving up, honey. Listen, if we lose... They'll be taking you directly from court to the, the place. The place? You mean the place where they put me to death? Yikes. If you got people to say goodbye to here, you'll have to do that in the morning. Jesus. Remember that conversation about steaks? Steaks? I was literally about to say that. Whose semen was it? We don't know. I don't think it proves anything, Michael. There could have been co-conspirators. And they're going back into court again? Before Judge Wood. These lawyers, uh, they don't quit. They dug up the rape kit on their own. They, they're very good, Michael. How the hell did they get the father to agree to an exhumation? I'm telling you, they don't quit. I'll argue. Really? This is the killer, right? I know it is. I'll argue. We're not losing him on the day of execution. Okay! I know that lawyer from somewhere! All right, so the big gun Philly... D.A. is played by none other than Gregory Itzen, who is a two-time Emmy nominee for 24, Mob City, The Mentalist, Covert Affairs, Big Love, worked all the way back to Mork and Mindy. He plays, two, char he plays two characters on Star Trek Enterprise, Admiral Brock and Captain Sopek. He was also in an, on Voyager as Dr. Dysak in Critical Care. He played two different characters on Deep Space Nine, Hane in Who Mourns for Morn, and Elon Tando in Dax. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. But that's not all. We're not 
supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. before. But now you get twist the residuals grinding at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you introducing your the matter section. First you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance made me feel but you had a no team. He was last seen in Save the Mule, and wait for it, this is the second character of five he is going to play on the practice. All right, well, buckle up. Two of buckle five. Buckle up. I wish I got a royalty ever played that song. <laughs> hey. I'd owe him dinner. How's it going? Okay, well, that's just, a loaded question. I've got so much here. It's just, uh, I'm not sure how to organize it all. You know, or even if I should argue everything. The Judge Wood, he, he looks like, I just don't know how long he's gonna pay attention. Now Keith, have I, is, is the, is, you can just say yes or no on this. Is the cigarette just a nod to Judge Wood or does it, is it deeper? I can't tell you that yet. That's good enough. When he first went to prison, he kept banging his head up against the bars. Yeah. For 38 hours, he kept banging. He said that he wouldn't stop until somebody heard the truth. And then they put him on antipsychotic medication for three years. Three years. And Cameron's Eleanor, been such a journey with this character, with, with Eleanor, you know? Yeah. You won't be any good to him if you let your emotions take over tomorrow. It's a really good person to hand the story to. Maybe you should do it, Eugene. I'm not as ready as you are. No, it, uh, I'll talk about that later. I'm having a hard time keeping it all sorted. My anger, what happened to him, what truth is relevant to this type of hearing, what's not. I can tell you one thing. I'm never gonna do another death penalty case. Until next season. I can't handle it. I just can't. Steve Harris reminding us that he is the, one of the best reactors in the biz. Yep. Oh, what fun it is to write for a cast like this. Mm. Would be, not like I've done it. So they're bringing Stuart into the trial. They brought in new super lawyer. Miss Frutt, here we are again. The floor is yours. Judge Wood ain't got two fucks to give. May it please the court. 
We now have conclusive DNA evidence establishing it was somebody else, not Stuart Donovan, who raped Alyssa Kearns on that night. You have the reports in front of you. You also have the affidavit of Joel Bullock outlining exactly how Earl Taylor learned the details of the crime, which details allowed Earl Taylor to go to the district attorney with the falsified confession, a confession he used to get his own prison sentence reduced. You also have an affidavit from his ex-wife stating that Mr. Bressler was habitually drunk and passed out by 9 o'clock every night. Mr. Bressler claims it was between 11.30 and 12 when he saw my client enter the victim's house, and he is basing that on the fact that Johnny Carson was on the television. We have also shown by affidavit that Johnny Carson was in fact on during prime time, the night of the murders, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. in an anniversary special. My client was convicted on three pieces of evidence, Your Honor. A confession fabricated by a jailhouse snitch, the eyewitness testimony of an alcoholic who was confused as to what time it really was, and a blood type match which has now been conclusively disproven with DNA testing. As a matter of law, as a matter of simple justice, Stuart Donovan's conviction must be set aside and he must be released immediately. Boom. Hammer dropped, gavel dropped, or ball dropped? What you got, bad guys? Somebody's walking in and whispering something into the DA's ear. Last minute. Mr. Stanfield? flippity doo <coughs> We will not deny to this court. We were shocked by this DNA evidence. We then tested the rape kit and learned just 10 seconds ago it too did not match Stuart Donovan. My okay. first reaction yesterday to the DNA discovery was that Stuart Donovan should in fact be set free. But when we stop to think about it, nothing has changed so dramatically that it would alter the verdict. As Ms. Frutt correctly states, Stuart Donovan was convicted on three pieces of evidence. First, the confession. That confession still stands. It was introduced into evidence at trial and challenged at trial. Defense isn't free to continue challenging it after the verdict without new evidence. And they don't have any. They can argue all they want that it was fabricated. That argument was made at trial and rejected by the jury. Second, the eyewitness testimony. Again, the defense argued at trial that Mr. Bressler must have been mistaken. But there was nothing else to controvert that eyewitness testimony, just as there is nothing else to controvert it today. Third, the blood match. If you look at the court transcripts, this was never a big part of the prosecution's case. If you review the closing arguments, you'll see we hammered two points, the confession and the eyewitness testimony. Now. We can all say I wouldn't have agreed with the jury on those points. But that is not the standard for review. The question you have to ask is whether this new evidence is of such character that a different verdict will likely result. Yes. The answer to that is no. Okay, great. 
Because there is nothing to disprove <laughs> either the confession or that testimony. Not then, not now. At least no one's life depends on it. All right, I'll grant you that, Mr. Stanfield. The court has no basis to throw out the confession or the eyewitness testimony. But this new DNA evidence, doesn't that tell us somebody else did it? No, Your Honor, it tells us that somebody else could have been there. Somebody else made love to her. Well, we have no time definitely was Could have there. been earlier. But that doesn't change the fundamentals of our case. And let's remember this. Mr. Donovan didn't confess to Mr. Taylor that he raped anybody. I don't have a good feeling about this. Or that he made thing. love to the victim before killing her. He confessed only to murdering the two women. Hence, this new evidence does nothing to undermine the veracity of that confession. Do you still think he did it? My personal beliefs aren't relevant. They're relevant to me. Do you think this is the man who killed those women? I do, Your Honor. Jesus. He had a heated fight with Alyssa Kearns just the day before. He refused to accept the end of the relationship. There's no sign of a forced entry. So, the idea of a home invasion, no fingerprints but his, no motive for anybody else. Look, he confessed to the crime. You don't free a man just because it turns out that somebody else may have been there at the time. But you have to admit, it does change things if somebody else was there. Not enough to upset a verdict. Recently, the Texas Court of Appeals was faced with this exact situation. Oh, Texas? The DNA turned out not yeah. to match the defendant. The court refused to grant a new trial, ruling that the DNA results did not preclude the presence of a co-conspirator. That was the case there. Ruling that Texas loves it's killing what we people. have here. You have precedent. You have the verdict of a jury. This is court Stuart should Donovan honor get, Is this over for him? Three episodes and he gets killed anyway? It seems weird. Gregory Itzen is so good at you playing an rest. asshole. He was good. Is it closing time yet, Keith? One more minute, Your Honor. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. Everybody now. It's closing time. Otherwise, your clients stay. Literally, this time. Closing time. So, well, Eleanor just got thrown in like, you just talk more because we're, we're, we just lost. Just like, come up with something. Yep, it's the fourth quarter. It's one second left on the clock. Tom Brady just threw a touchdown, but you got the ball back. You got to throw a bomb. You got to win, or they're going to kill somebody. <laughs> My analogy was perfect. <laughs> Five weeks ago when I took this case, I almost immediately started getting emotional about it, and I couldn't figure out why. I don't know, Stuart Donovan. I realize now that what got to me is the reality that people don't get fair trials in this country. They often don't. Ms. Frutt, I was the judge on your client's trial. And I don't doubt that you did everything right, Your Honor. But Stuart Donovan had a public defender who had just finished another capital case 48 hours before his trial began. And that public defender wasn't ready for this one. He didn't discover a lot of the things he could have. Defense lawyers, especially public defenders, especially those taking court appointments, 
we just don't have enough time. We just don't have the resources, and it's, it's understandable. Things are bound to fall through the cracks. How could they not? But I have a man facing death here. Technically, from an evidentiary standpoint, Mr. Stanfield is right, the confession still stands. Technically, from an evidentiary standpoint, the eyewitness testimony is valid. The time to impeach it would have been a trial. That never happened. Technically, the prosecution's two big pieces of evidence still hold up. Technically. In reality, a man is going to be executed for a crime he didn't commit. And as I have been pounding my head up against walls, I have been continually hearing, Miss Frutt, there is a system. A system of evidence and appeals and... The system doesn't always work, Your Honor. In the last 10 years alone, over 44 people have been released from death row for crimes they didn't commit. The system uses jailhouse snitches who fabricate confessions. The system has police lying. The system is very, very fallible. And maybe it is understandable. Given the enormous volume of criminal cases today, mistakes happen. Lies happen. It is a byproduct of the system that I can almost comprehend. But what I can't fathom is when we have the ability to find out the truth through DNA evidence, we don't. In 48 states, this being one of them, prisoners do not have the right to a simple DNA test that could prove their innocence. You wouldn't let us have one, Judge. We had to go to the father of the victim. Miraculously, he let us dig up his daughter. And after we did that, did the tests on our own, we pretty much proved Stuart Donovan's innocence. And still, it hasn't ended. Mr. Stanfield now gets up, changes the prosecution's theory, and refocuses the court's attention on eyewitness testimony and a jailhouse informant, which everyone in this room regards as suspect. As technically admissible as it may be on evidentiary grounds, None of us in this room fully believe that snitch. None of us fully trust that eyewitness account. And a man is going to die. Is our system about getting convictions? Is that it? My co-counsel, Eugene Young, told me not to take this case personally. How can I not? How can't we all? A man. An innocent man is going to die. As human beings, as officers of this court, as players in this system, how do we not take that personally? Yeah. They just, okay.
prone to hyperbole. And I'm emotion, my emotional stakes are high these days. But I think that was my favorite close of the series. Of the series. Mm. And to speak to Cameron for a minute, the actress, not, not from me, because nobody needs my praise, but the enormous amount of respect and trust that David E. Kelly and the writing room has for her is clearly evident in the fact that on national primetime television, where even in the 90s and early aughts was all about, you know, getting people's attention quickly and sensationalism and all this stuff, right. to let an actress stand in a single shot and talk uninterrupted for six and a half minutes, yeah. six and a half minutes is unheard of. You can't find that. Not in a motion picture. That's that extraordinary. Is extraordinary. That was an extraordinary. And most of it in a single take, no, no, no less. And yeah, and, and you can see the effect that it has on everybody in the in the the shot that you have right here, frozen here. We see Marla as Lucy in the back of the shot, mostly out of focus, basically an extra here. But she is so she's completely emotionally invested in this scene. She's crying. As is uh, Carolyn Cava as Mary Donovan weeping. Um, I'll also point out, though, since we're pointing that out, and, and Eugene is, I mean, everybody is invested emotionally, except for one extra on the far left of the shot who appears to be wearing sunglasses and sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, you know. You can't win them all. But can we win this one? And I guess we're about to find out. Here comes the DA again. I hear Ms. Fratt's frustration, her emotion. I'd like the court to consider it from our side and from the victim's families. Well, he should you find the person who commits ahead. the murder, you put that person on trial, you secure a conviction. That's not easy these days. But even when you're lucky enough to get that far, the defense attorneys keep coming back over and over and over again, raising constitutional claims, saying that the previous attorneys weren't good enough. Twelve years they've been coming back on this one. Twelve years. This father, this husband, has been waiting for this to be over. And this on a case where the defendant confessed. This on a case where we have eyewitness testimony. Most times, the defense attorneys are in here trying to free their clients on technical grounds, exalting the system above all else. But here, where the system has been adhered to, where the evidence is all sound technically, they're in here We have his confession on record. The jury believed that confession. Why don't we just let everybody go? Bad argument. Well, what, uh, what argument does he really have? I don't know. I think he was better off. I mean, I guess you don't want to let her have the last word, but... That, that was not a strong one. <laughs> if you're going to say something, it should be better than... Yeah, Let I mean, I don't. Go? No. I, I just don't know what he would say. It just well, it read a little petulant. Oh, there's that cigarette. Well, yeah. Puff, puff, puff. I guess the priest didn't do it. Seems unlikely at this point. 
big Once twist. Again, lots of silence. Come on, Andrew Wood. I am persuaded by defense counsel's arguments that before we put a man to death, we should be sure of the person's guilt and not simply limit our inquiry as to whether the trial was technically sound from an evidentiary standpoint. That seems so obvious. But Mr. Stanfield's contention is also a valid one. We could keep re-evaluating evidence and nauseam forever. The point of a trial is to reach a final verdict on the facts. And though it would be nice to reconsider the confession, take a second and third look at the testimony, if we did that for one, we'd have to do it for all. And if we did it for all, surely the court dockets would clog beyond repair and there would be no justice for anybody. Ms. Frutz, it was the confession and the eyewitness testimony that convicted your clients. Both of these elements were vigorously challenged at trial. And though you'd clearly like to keep on renewing the challenge, Shit. under the law, you don't get to. Not with what you brought me. But, Mr. Stanfield, well, there's a but. had you had this DNA evidence, clearly you would have investigated the possibility of another suspect. You didn't. I am an old man. I look at each cigarette as possibly my last. Here we are. My last breath won't be spent executing a man I now think is probably innocent. The conviction is set aside. Mr. Oops. Donovan, you are free with the apologies oh of this Oh my court. God, I might cry. Hold on. Adjourned. Eleanor got me there. Or Cameron brought me to tears. This, that look. How about that? Look at that. This is her best work in the show so far. And she's had done some great work. <laughs> she's already won an Emmy. <laughs> they better have two better episodes planned for the, for the end of the season. This could have been the season finale. This is excellent. God, it's a damn shame we have to take two spare tires off. It, it really is. And I love that they give a shot to the father of the victim because he saved this kid's life. He sure did. at home if you don't watch the episodes for some reason or even if you have already watched the practice go back and re-watch this one yeah and subscribe on hulu so they don't sue us yeah well if they were going to sue us they'd have done it by now i don't think we're on on anybody's radar <laughs> we're barely on any listeners radar. <laughs> speaking of our listeners go ahead and jump back to we are back we are back on the youtubes okay Whew, that was a that lot. Was a lot. I'm emotionally spent. Oh, well, you're going to spend 30 seconds <sighs> doing this. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Well, they wouldn't let us test any more DNA, so we had to in, in we had to introduce new evidence. So we got the nightshirt. We dug up the victim. Thank you, victim's dad. That one proved we weren't a match, but still they said that's not enough. So we kept fighting, we kept fighting. Eleanor gave the close of her career and actually persuaded Judge Wood to smoke that last cigarette and puff puff the innocence of Mr. Donovan. Yes, indeed. Well done. That was good. 
Oh my god, I, I was so nervous. Oh, so, the stakes are so high. We, we talk about stakes all day long, and there's stakes are never higher than Micah's 30 seconds. That's true. Except for... Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Well, they're a fake award show that we do at the end of every episode. Oh, no. I can see Mike is flailing. (laughs) I am absolutely flailing. Hold on. I'm going to repair this as the oopsies run uh, un... Oh, there. There. I think think that fixed it. Okay. No, that looks like us. Okay, good. And I'll get that right one week. One week. One day. One yeah. week. All right. And we're going to pound through these because I have 12 minutes before okay, my phone it. call with a realtor. We start with... Most Look, the whole team was really invested here. Although Bobby and, uh, I guess, Lindsay are out planning their wedding. They were a little too busy to be here in PA, or maybe they got other cases going. But I right, think and Rebecca and Helen and everybody, yeah. The trio of, well, the, the quartet of Eugene, Eleanor, Jimmy, and uh, Lucy. Uh, Lucy really outdid themselves. But let's be honest, Eleanor Frutt is this week's MVL. Yeah, I only have one word to say about it. Front! Front! Yeah, so uh, congratulations, Eleanor Front, with a big freaking victory this week. Next up. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the air. So many great guest actors. I'd I'd love to recognize uh, David Moreland again as ADA Platt. Uh, mm-hmm. John Hawks was so good, but I gave him, and he could absolutely win again. Uh, but I did give it to him before. I also yeah. think Caroline Cava was so great. Um, Leon Russom was amazing. Yes. As the father, right? Yes. But I think, um, I can't find him on IMDb, but Judge West. You're looking for George Wallace, not that one. Yes. George Wallace, I think, really did some heavy lifting in that last scene, and I, it really brought it home for me, helped me bridge the gap to tears. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my vote there. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, there were so many good performances this week, for sure. Um, but I really think this whole trilogy turned on george wallace's performance at the end of that and uh i'm with you so congratulations not racist that we know of george wallace for your oopsie award yeah no really good work speaking of good work and non-surprising awardees 
You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Not the best actor on the show, but in the running, at least, as I think the best performance of the series to date, Cameron Mannheim. I even got her name right. Yeah, way to go. Not even Cameron McIntosh. Though I'm sure yeah. he was excellent at this time. Place uh, no, truly, truly was. Truly was. He was, uh, he was probably, he, he was running Saigon here. He was, I don't know if he was, oh, he's probably working on Martin Gare. I bet is what he was up to. I think and I've cried. I've cried twice ever watching one of these shows with you. And today was one of them. And her performance was 99% the reasoning. Yeah. That last I, yeah. close, that six and a half minute close was, yeah. the writing was, don't get me wrong. I mean, that's such a big terrific. part of it. Yeah. But she really just, oh man, that was good. No, it's, it's, it's dynamite uh, acting by Cameron set up with diamond dynamite writing. It's like stuff like this. I've said this before, but stuff like moments like this, episodes like this, arcs like this are why I loved the practice mm -hmm. and why I wanted to do this podcast because stuff like this should not, performances like this should not be lost to antiquity. history. Yeah. Antiquity. Um, so just Cameron. I have to on. say, you know, her work, her body of work at large is is pretty much unseen by me and mm. I, I you know i don't want to get like hyperbolic about this but you're right i mean had you not have we not done this i don't know that i'd this was excellent i'm so glad that i got to see it yeah yeah well congratulations cameron on your very very well deserved fake award you can put it on the trophy shelf with all of your real awards that actually matter speaking of real awards that actually matter it's time for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. The eternal Tom Brady Award. Last week's Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady will appear right here. Oh, there it is. This week, let's save time. I think it's pretty clear. Chain smoking Tom Brady. You've won this week's <laughs> award for being Tom Brady. Okay, congratulations, chain smoking Tom Brady. I don't know if that's on your TB12 diet. But uh, it is this week. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. I loved this episode. I thought, as we talked about before, if you haven't listened to the actual episode, you should probably uh, do that. We, we, we record a whole podcast in between where we listen to the episode and comment on it. But I would say that what we talked about, that alchemy, that magic of when it's all firing on all cylinders, acting, lighting, cinematography, direction, the whole works, we had it in this whole arc, really, from the guest spots to the main cast and everything in between. Exception being that extra wearing the sunglasses and sleeping in the pivotal scene, but we'll let it go. All came together. Uh, it's, it's a shame that it's marred by that really creepy scene and that Lin, uh, uh, Lucy actually gives him a little sneak peek. I mean, I get that, I guess those things happen, but it, it did a lot to sour it just enough. Um, the arc as a whole, I think is in nine spare tires for me. I just think it was such a great arc. The episode itself, I think is nine spare tires for me. I have to take one off 
for both of us, as we said, which which brings it down to a seven, and that is a damn shame. But uh, we said we were going to do it, and f- arbitrarily because wait, are you are you taking off two? I thought we were each taking off a tire. Oh, okay, that that is a little bit more palatable. So yes, nine minus one. Uh, last time I checked, would be eight. So I'm going to say eight spare tire. You know what? Nine point two five. So I'm going to say eight point two five. Okay. Yeah. No, I. Uh, I'm going to come back to you, Keith. I know what you're thinking. Uh, okay. I know why you're I can't wondering. see my face. I really want to see my face. I think we all need to see Ev- Keith's Everybody face. does. I mean, I shaved. For God's sakes, I shaved for this episode. I did not. I'm growing a I, Moses beard. Well, I always, I've always had one. Well, I, I agree with you on all counts on this episode. Um, and I, I, this is my favorite type of practice episode um, because it is occasionally we'll come across an arc or an episode that's job is to bring our attention to some sort of institutional injustice. And in this case, it's the institutional injustice of how difficult it is to appeal your innocence after a trial has, has taken place. And it's so timely now because of, because of serial, because of uh, making a murderer. We're thinking about those things all the time. We're thinking like, how the hell is Brendan Dassey still in fucking jail. That's absolutely insane. And we're thinking about those injustices institutional today. But here we are back 20 years ago telling a very similar story in a way that is sympathetic and emotionally grounded, but also, um, also, also it's not dumbed down for the audience. It is speaking, it is, It is calling to our higher morals as a society. It is calling for us to think as well as feel to understand something more complex than just your murder of the week. And so when you mix that with tremendous writing and tremendous performances, this is why not only do I like the practice as a show, I think it's important as a show. And perhaps these type of stories being told in this way, whether it's on, on a show like this or or one of the uh, a podcasts or uh, a miniseries, I think it's very important for us as a society to help us think in these terms so that we may mature into a society closer to the one you were talking about. Uh, what was it, the Netherlands? Yeah. Uh, Norway. Yeah. Yeah, Norway. And it, this is how we mature as a society if we tell and understand and feel these stories. So, uh, yeah, so I'm going to, I would give this episode a 9.5. Uh, that Lucy scene was so gross. It is an 8.5, but with an asterisk. So our 8.375 with an asterisk score. It's an important denotion. Denotation? Yeah, Cita- whatever word I'm trying citation. to say. Citation. Citation. Yeah. It's an important citation. So, uh, wow. There you have it, folks. We have a tremendous episode again. Thank you for listening with us. If you would like to join the jury and leave us a rating and review, you can do so by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service. You can contact us at the Out of Practice Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our blog at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. Recently updated. And we're doing something new this week. We are going to shout out and thank all, all of our very important founding sponsors. 
we are brought to you by generous donations from Leanne Reichs, CloudLover69, Jorge Navoa, and Jennifer Masanova. You can join them by donating to the show in one of two ways, a one-time donation or a monthly contribution. You can find the appropriate links to do so in our show notes. We'd like to thank all the sponsors you see on your screen and those future sponsors shortly to join us. You can also support the show by leaving a review, as Keith mentioned, but also by recommending the show to a friend who might enjoy our nonsense or checking out the practice and these excellent performances by our cast. Now, Keith, if I am ever on death row, do me a favor. Fight for me. Take my $500. Dig up all the victims. Smoke all the cigarettes. And if it doesn't work, weep over my body with a subdued, high-stakes laser sound. Laser sound.